The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod. My name is Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. And across the table from me today is Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3, the co founder of Zone Coverage. What's going on today, man? I'm excited. Baseball. We're finally here. Yep. It is the morning of the regular season, season opener, home opener, whatever you want to call it. All the great field uh, league action is done. Everything that doesn't matter is behind us. Those stats have been filed away. 25-man, 40-man rosters finalized, and it's time. And Target Field remarkably looks ready to play. How surprised are you by the fact that they got this field ready to go? I mean... Yeah, You look around the rest of the Twin Cities, and I've had people tell us to be careful not to focus too much on Twin Cities listeners because we do have people listening in North Carolina or right, wherever. Right. But to set the scene, there's minimal snow at this point now. It's, it's mostly all the, gone. The worry was about snow melt, as in like yeah. floods. I mean, if, yeah. you look at, if you look at rivers around here, they're massively high, like very, 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 very swollen up. And so, I mean, that's, that's a different kind of issue than what's facing or what was facing Target Field just a couple weeks ago. But... All things considered, Target Field looks pretty good. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that was, you know, you saw the the tweets about uh, Target Field where they did a good job keeping it lit up throughout yep. the year, and uh, so it was a cool like purplish glow at the time, and it was you know reflecting off the snow, and people started tweeting at like Dave St. Peter. <laughs> as of course da- they did. Of as as they did. <laughs> Dave St. Peter can be like, all right, I'm gonna stop the snow. <laughs> Just or how about, or how about <laughs> at tweeting at twins so that one of the social media managers <laughs> has to deal with it, yeah. including the one that we know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say her name. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But um, we'll I I think it's uh, but it's funny. You know, Dave St. Peter said, "Well, we'll be ready to go." I I think people got scared off a little with the with the April snowstorm, probably still in play because it's Minnesota. But it's feeling, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, brisk to start the year is actually not a great. You're not a bad thing. It's actually right. kind of expected with uh, with baseball, and um, it's starting to feel like you want to be outside, you but know, outside of watching. Antarctica. I think it also shows the utmost confidence in Larry Devito and his crew to get this stadium right, ready. Right. And they've really given us no reason to doubt them. Now, one thing I want to ask you: I mean, they obviously have the new right field plaza area. I think yeah. it's Gate Thirty Four, but also the living wall out in center field. I don't know if you saw the video, but it's going to look really, really cool. And if people are going out to the game today. Hopefully you're listening to this on the way to yeah, kind of yeah. get a feel for what the day is going to be like. You got the flyover and all that big stuff. But check out not only the new right field pavilion or whatever you want to call it, but that center field wall. You won't be able to miss it because it's the batter's eye. Yep. But it's like many thousands of individual plants sewed together, and it looks unbelievable. Well, it was, it was what, juniper trees or yep, something juniper, like that? Yeah, juniper trees. That's but, um, right. I couldn't it's, think of uh, it. Yeah, I know. I'm here for the uh, <laughs> the gardening part of, uh, um, of this podcast. But, no, I, I think uh, – um, you can tell that that wall was built for the trees that were originally there, and mm-hmm. it felt kind of out of place, you know, once they removed those, and you're like, oh, there's just a giant part of the stadium that, and I get it. I mean, it's the batter's eye. You're going to see it in any park, but I think this is probably a better way to present that area. Also, it, it should be noted, while I believe taxpayers paid for two-thirds of the stadium to begin with, there has been development around the area. It also, every other improvement, and I think six, six of the last ten seasons, off-seasons, I guess, um, the twins have made improvements. Yeah. Well, and not that. only that, but that money has gone to keeping libraries open. I think they've built some built some ball fields with it. They've they've used the I think it was three cents on every twenty dollars yeah. tax for Hennepin County to 
some positive. I mean, I think they paid off the bond or whatever and then have used it in different ways to keep libraries open on Sundays, that sort of thing. I, so, think, I think they are trying to get to the point for obvious reasons of if there's a lot of people in the ballpark, you can still be around the stadium for a game, whether you're watching it out on, out on the screen mm-hmm. by the trains or on the opposite side here. It seems like there's there's some green space and, and um, it connects well with downtown and all that stuff. I mean, I think I think those are all positive improvements. I think all that does not matter, though, unless the twins are. You've been saying 86 all year long. Yep, if the, they are the column I wrote said 86 and see how much pushback comes from that here as as the season wears on do you expect it i mean you always expect twins fans to be a little down on the team and and you know what fair reasonably so they won 94 games in 10 they've had a couple winning seasons but otherwise this is year 10 in target field and they've had what is it three winning seasons three winning seasons 10 15 and 17 17 and 17 was the the postseason appearance if you want to call it that the one kind of the game to get in yeah um another loss to the yankees unfortunately but I, i think um, do you expect pushback from an 86 win prediction? Yeah, because people can't be reasonable about it. And the problem <laughs> is they won 78 games last year and had literally 10 things that could have ruined any lesser team's season and indivi- in individual, like, uh, by themselves. Beginning with Sano and Buxton. Sano, Buxton, Santana, Polanco, Dozier having a bad season. Everybody basically other than Eddie Rosario and Eduardo Escobar, you know, not having up to their standard seasons. And I'm sure I'm missing things, too. I mean... Yeah, Every, and, and, uh, Lance Lynn falling apart. Uh, uh, Logan yeah, yeah. Morrison having the hip thing. Everything that could have happened negative to this team happened. They still won 78 games, fired their manager. 86 wins is eight more. It's really not that it, big of a jump. It also seems worse when you fire Hall of Fame St. Paul, you know, yeah, resident yeah. native Paul Molitor after the season. And I think, I, I think to touch on that real quick, Rocco has given every indication that, A, he will think differently about the game. I think Molitor was unexpectedly progressive in his thinking with baseball, given his age. I think Rocco, I think this is an overhaul. I I actually think the manager position is going to be different. I think he's almost part of the front office and that while lineups probably will be dictated to him, he has influence in why they are doing the, you know, why they're setting the lineups like that each and every day. He's 100% their guy and he's done it at every level, whether it's scouting slash front office First uh, base on the coach, field as a coach, now a yeah. manager in Tampa Bay's organization, where they, Tampa Bay was kind of like the old Twins, where it's like, oh, if they got a better stadium, maybe they'd just be better because they have more yeah. resources. And they're trying to; they're really trying. Yeah, um, I think no. Re- I mean, obviously, a very accomplished athlete uh, himself. Unfortunately, with his medical condition, couldn't. You know, I mean, he's. It almost feels like he should be playing to this day, given how much hype and how oh, big of a prospect he so, was. So a story came out in The Athletic about managers you'd most like to and not like to play for. It's an MLB survey. Yeah. And one throwaway comment was that a guy didn't want to play for Rocco Baldelli because then he'd be playing for a manager his age. Yeah. So it was, it was a joke. But, yeah, that, that kind of speaks to, I think, the fact that he is going to be viewed as the kid you know, Rocco the kid in the well, American I, League. I think they. I think it's it's such a change. I, you, you usually go from a player's manager to more of a hard ass. You, you know, you try to make some sort of drastic change every time you change a manager. You went. I from, think they did that from Guardy to Molitor. Uh, right, and we should point this out. I think Guardy was a great manager for the era he managed in. I think. Sure. It's so funny how reluctant he was to use the analytics. I mean, I know he's the you know the Oklahoma guy who's kind of there's some everyman quality around Gardenhire. Uh, that I think endeared him to the fan base and to certain players. I think we're seeing that in Detroit too. Um, yeah, and and to be fair, probably he's having more success in Detroit than people expected. Sure. Um, 
also still very connected to the Twins organization. I believe his son is like the is he the single A coach? I can't remember offhand, but he's I a minor league coach. Cedar Rapids. Um, yeah, and, and um, but you know he, he was the unaccomplished player. He's the guy who got a cup of tea right with the Mets or something like that. You go from him to. Paul Molitor, one of the best local athletes, period, let alone a guy who played baseball, you know, I think he was about 40, 41, uh, when, he, uh, when he retired, one of the best hitters in MLB history. Right. And I think players respect him as in, like, you would any of these guys who are kind of floating around the the Kadires, the Torrey Hunters, the, you know, Roy Smalley's or whatever. Because, but he he could not connect with them because I think in some ways he's someone they like idolize. Where a Rocco Baldelli, he seems like an old teammate. He you know, in some ways and not perfectly, it's a little like having Joe Mauer in your clubhouse. Where you those players saw kind of post. I mean, Mauer, what was it? Oh seven to thirteen was his mm-hmm. kind of best streak. They saw him. Most of them saw him after that. But he still was the guy who was an accomplished hitter who who um, kind of redefined what we can think of the capabilities of a catcher at the plate, um, the daily routine he went through. And I think Baldelli will connect with them, still be an authority figure, but connect with them because he seems kind of like a player in the clubhouse. Well, I also think, too, he's going to kind of split the difference between Ron Gardenhire, who called himself a futility infielder, and Paul Molitor, a Hall of Famer. I mean, Baldelli had that kind of talent, but his career wasn't befitting of that for myriad reasons. So... The one thing I wanted to get to, and I'm trying to find it here on Reddit, was that there was a, I think it was Sports Illustrated preview. Yeah, here it is. And uh, let me tell you, I'm, I'm not really liking this. And so, let's see if I can make this bigger. So. This is this is the part of the podcast where Brandon searches for things on the internet. <laughs> and I shouldn't be saying, see if we can make this bigger. <laughs> so, the scouts take. I'm just trying to soldier through here. <laughs> Key question. A new regime is there with a new approach. Can they get the most out of their underperformers? Byron Buxton has all the talent in the world, but he essentially got the previous regime ousted with how he crapped the bed. Miguel Sano is always hurt and always fat, but there's hope for Buxton and Max Kepler who needs to lift the ball with more authority. Let's unpack that a little bit. Wait, hold on. That's a quote. That's a scout's take. It, that's printed in Sports Illustrated? Yeah. Are we, are first we of all, certain it's of that? First of all, it's not. I'm looking at the... I'm looking oh, at, okay. This is the essay. Like, look, I didn't know if it was I'm just a at thing the, on like, Reddit. Okay. It was shared on Reddit as the picture from the magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would be quite the Photoshop. I, first of all, I don't think he got that regime outed. I think no, what, no, 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 no. So here's the deal. Let's just break it down one by one. Yeah. First of all, getting the most out of the underperformers, true. Byron Buxton has all the talent in the world, true. Got them fired with how he crapped the bed, 100% false. Last year was under the new regime. They're, they're, they're ignoring that last year – was year two under the new regime. This is year three. Is that not right? 16, 17, yeah. 17, 18, 19. This is year three. So Buxton's first fairly solid year was under these guys. It has nothing to do with the regime that got, he got them fired because if anybody was getting fired on something based on Buxton, it was his year last year. And that would maybe be Molitor, which wouldn't be his fault, but it contributed to, to a team that underperformed. Now, this is my theory, and tell me if you disagree. The final straw for Terry Ryan and his people in the Twins organization was the overwhelming, massive failure that was putting Miguel Sano in right field. That was the thing that sealed the coffin, sealed the deal, shoveled the dirt. It certainly was one of those things like, why? It, I mean, it'll come back to the trades that were made, I believe. And I, maybe well, that's oh, more yeah. Bill Smith. But, uh, but uh, I, I think uh, going to the right field – 
it just was so unnecessary. It, I, I, I sort of get the thought there, but why? I think Trevor Plouffe, when you draft a player 20th overall, that's like kind of middle of the road of what you kind of expect. There's guys that will just flame out. They yep. won't be stars. There's guys who will become Aaron Hicks, where Aaron Hicks just signed an extension. I think not like a cornerstone of the Yankees, but certainly a very important part of what the Yankees Yeah, $10 are million dollars a year for the Yankees isn't on a cornerstone. It's a, it's a nice player. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think Trevor Plouffe falls somewhere in between that. And it didn't make sense that you couldn't just move him. I mean, knowing what Sano we know there. now, they should have traded Sano, or not Sano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was okay. a Freudian slip. Yeah. Trading, trading Plouffe, who I have a ton of respect for. You right. Know, we're Twitter buddies and all that stuff. Yeah. I think he's one of the greatest guys in the game. Knowing what we know now, coming off a decent season, they probably should have flipped him, put Sano at third, and said, let's go. And knowing what we know now, too, that outfield of Rosario, Buxton, and Kepler, I mean, how long were you going to keep Max Kepler down when he had won the – he was in the process of winning the Southern League MVP that year. Yeah. So, I mean, probably final straw. It certainly wasn't. Um, it was trending that direction anyways. I think it's hard because at least I... No, he was coming off winning it because it was 16 the year that Terry got fired. So yeah. Kepler had won the Southern League title and debuted in 15, if and I'm we, not mistaken. We should pause on Kepler in a second. but well, We um, have more, too, because of the... Yeah, because you just wrote a big piece on him, and right. I think he's one of the more intriguing players on the Twins No question year. about it. I My thing with Terry is that a, he's an incredibly honest person. Like he, yep. he yep. literally would sit down with the media every day and be like, "What do you got for me?" And I, you'd get twenty solid. I mean, no GM in the league does that. I think Felvey and Levine are very forthcoming and are very accessible. They're, they're better than their contemporaries in the league. Terry Ryan was just in a world of his own. And, and even to this day, and I think people know this, he's a Philly scout in the Midwest who often works in the Twin Stadium. So, so we still it, see him. So we see him a lot, and he's still the same guy. I, I think. He got a benefit of the doubt because he had so much success in his first run and because it seemed like someone that open couldn't be, like, really messing it up that bad and we're just missing something, and it turns out, yeah. Unfortunately, it just looked like that his, his kind of wheeling and dealing ability wasn't there anymore. It, it, yeah. it didn't help the Twins. And and so I think um, looking at uh, that move with Sano, and it's just because he's such an important piece. I still think Buxton probably would be the franchise player should they both pan out to the mm-hmm. extent we There's believe. no question because of the way he can influence every side of the ball. Sano is one of those guys who I think actually should look at a guy like Nelson Cruz and go, how does he do what he does? Because That's Nelson- 100% the reason they brought him in. Yeah, and and I and it's there's other hitters like that, but it's, you know, like a Berrios has to perform now mm-hmm. because I think by the time you hit 30, it's really hard to be an impact major league pitcher. I think you start to feel the wear and tear, and if it doesn't happen at 30, oh, you mean 32, Kyle 30. Gibson like is like the anomaly of becoming who he is now. Yeah, at 31. Yeah, and it never and, happens. And and weird trajectory of he looked like a guy that could come right out of college and and pitch in the majors has Tommy John surgery, and it just seemed like nibble, 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 nibble throughout Almost most of his career. Ten years though, and and. and, and but he had he he is built like a major league pitcher. Oh yeah, he certainly I think is smart enough to know how to like you know sequence his pitches and kind of the the mental side of the game, and is very composed. Like even under duress and but the worst outings of his career, would sit and explain what happened. Right. And it I think it'd be a pitching coach. I think there's a very it'd be very likely he seems that. especially at his size because yeah. repeating mechanics at that size. I mean you've seen Mike Palfrey struggle with yeah. That. Alex and Meyer. Humphrey should have been better. Meyer should have been better. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of those guys. I, I, my point with Gibson is that um, he's some of those guys. One of those guys you want to have, see have success. It's very important. He is the second best pitcher in the rotation, unless like this last ditch effort to be like 
bring in Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that would be, but right. you know what I mean? So he has to be the second best pitcher. I think for a guy like Berrios, he's got to perform now. And he certainly has, in my mind, the mentality for it. He, I mean, incredible workout regime, like as in it's worth watching on YouTube because he's pushing around trucks, mm-hmm. incredibly limber. He's always like, you know, like stretching out and stuff like that. I think very he's much weird. He plays, uh, um, like hacky sack. No, what's that game where uh, you spin with the colors? Twister, <laughs> Twister, what? Brios plays Twister by oh. himself. I'm kidding. He, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You almost think he plays Twister by himself, but yeah, that's no, the kind of like flexibility he has. Yeah, and clearly takes care of himself. Clearly takes what he's doing very seriously. I think, but he has to perform right now because it just seems like the shelf life on a pitcher is not very long. A guy like Sano, if he figures out to hit now, he can extend that career ten years because at once least, these guys figure least. out how to, the worst case scenario is like Albert Pujols, right? Where Pujols as a Cardinal. I mean, came out of left field and was one of the best players for like 10 Literally, years. Literally, he came out of left field and played first base. Yeah, and, and but the Peoria, wasn't it Peoria Community College or something like that? He was drafted out of something obscure. And and um, Was it the same school as Logan Morrison? It might have been. And I, I feel like we looked this up last year. And I, I think... Well, we're looking it up this year, too. Um, I think the point is with Sano, there's still hope that he can become an impact hitter, a middle order guy. I think defensively he is... Hopefully he can hang on to third base through his 20s. I think he's going to eventually be a first baseman. Nope, it was Maple Maple Woods Community College in Kansas City, Missouri. So near where Morrison would have been, okay. but not there. He's the only player to ever play in the big leagues from that school. There's been some draft picks, including most recently in a couple of year, recent few years here, but yeah, only one, so that's huge. I mean, Pujols was just a crazy story, and unfortunately deteriorated as a player right. pretty rapidly after signing the big contract with the Angels. But... Um, I think Buxton is one of those game-changing players. Given his speed, given what he can do on the base pass, certainly his defense. The concern with him is always, can he hit? And I think we've seen glimpses of that, including I think you alluded to that 17th season, so two years ago, where yeah. he, he kind of showed um, flashes it's, of that. It's been a while, though. That's I think that's the biggest problem. And can he stay healthy? I, I, I think he, um, unfortunately, given the position he plays, there's always the risk that he's cruising after a fly ball, hits the wall hard, and you go... Well, okay, but but if you pick one of those guys who was most in, instrumental in getting Terry Ryan fired, it has to be Sano for me. Yeah, and and I think the decision to put him right field is not a snow issue. I know he was overweight. I don't think he ever was going to be a right fielder in his career. No, I, I no, just didn't see it. He's more likely to be a defensive end than a right fielder. Yeah, yeah. So I and and looking at kind of the um, the second, I do want to get to Kepler here. Um, this, no, I will. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll route us there. It's just yeah for me though. The fact that both Buxton and Sano, neither one were immediate hits, whereas, like, again, and this is my theory, is it's the Puckett and Herbeck, Mauer, Morneau. Yeah. Buxton, Sano, Louis Kirilov. To synchronize four of those guys in Buxton, Sano, Louis, and Kirilov all at the same time, I mean, that would be wizardry. That's a team that can win a whole lot of ball games. I I guess the X factor, too, is... um Gordon, and I'm completely slipping on his first name. Nick, he, Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon, I think, has fallen off the the prospect watch, if you will, because he didn't hit in AAA. Right. It still seems like a supremely it, good athlete. It's the first stop he did. Yeah. That. I know it's taken him off the radar. Yeah. And the, the radar was so narrow for a guy because of how slight he's built that he has to hit. He has to yeah. show he can hit. He has to show he's not going to get the bat knocked out of his hands like uh, Angel Vielma. Not because they're similar players, but due to their size. Angel Vielma was that slick fielding shortstop who's had a couple cups of coffee, I think, with the Orioles, but was considered potentially the shortstop of the future for the Twins four, three, four years ago. 
and it was a guy who was hitting like 210 with no power in the Pedro minors. Pedro Florimono was another one. Sure. Supreme and defense. some of those guys can have tough numbers in the minors and figure it out in the big leagues. You look at like Eduardo Escobar, who didn't have crazy numbers as a young minor leaguer and figured it out. However, with Vialma, it's just he's he's just not big enough, doesn't do enough offensively, even spraying line drives, you know, Luis Castillo style or – or, I mean, even like a, a Juan Castro back when he was a, a better big league player before he came to the Twins in the you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. And so Gordon has to prove that he's not going to be bullied at the plate. And AAA, for whatever reason, I mean, he's, he's had the second half swoons at pretty much every level, or at least in the last two levels prior to that. But to spend the full year at Rochester and play as poorly as he did certainly was not expected. I mean, second half swoon, that would have been a, a, a repeating of a key theme, but and not surprising. Now, struggling all season, though, that was the hiccup that he couldn't afford if he wanted to stay on prospect lists. And quite frankly, win a big league job out of spring training this year, which was never yeah. a consideration. Yeah. Either way, I mean, you're right. You're trying to get kind of the – the major cornerstone pieces on the line really quickly yep. here. And, and, and so I... And then you get pop-up guys like uh, Akil Badu or uh, Max Kepler is certainly a pop-up guy or an Eddie Rosario compared to Buxton. Eddie Rosario was a fourth-round pick? Third or fourth out of like Puerto that. Rico. And, and, but, but, I mean, for, for Kepler and... Polanco. Polanco and Rosario. But, but for Kepler, Polanco and Rosario, to arguably right now have more equity, I mean, two of those guys have bigger deals than Buxton and Sano is seeing a lot for player development for those guys, but also for the fact that both of those guys have missed the mark to this point for myriad reasons, you know, some some of their own volition in terms of Sano and some of just dumb luck. And so... We, we should state this. Byron Buxton is entering his age 25 season. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's yeah. it, it, he's If he's on the Aaron Hicks path, it's like this year or next year he still breaks out. And so... And I don't think they've messed up. They really messed with Aaron Hicks. I mean, I, that's another thing you could actually accuse the Ryan regime of. And to be fair, he came out and said, we messed this up. But taking a guy like that and just overexposing him, trading away two kind of key players to, to open up that spot, I just I think that was a disservice to Aaron Hicks. Granted, Revere didn't do anything after the Twins. Right. Denard Spann Denard still Spann's, was playing, I think. I don't know. Did he sign somewhere? I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he up. did. But... Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that, and, and it, it shoots an arrow in the face of the narrative that the Twins, I mean, it depends on what day and who you ask, but they either rush their prospects or they're too slow with their prospects, but it's never in between. There, there's never that one guy that they develop perfectly, which in the eyes to of those fair. fans, I mean, yeah, to be fair, Jorge Polanco hard. has hit the ground running, basically. Max yeah. Kepler's been average. Eddie Rosario's been good. I mean, he had... What was it? Two years ago, I think he had that stretch where he got sent back down because he was swinging at everything and missing cutoff men, and you know he was he was a real mess. It might have even been the 103 lost season, but at this point, I mean, he was a captain in the game earlier this week against Nelson Cruz. I mean, it shows that they believe in him as a leader, and he's going to be one of the guys to kind of fill that Joe Mauer role, de facto Joe Mauer role. Nobody's Joe Mauer, but yeah. I don't know. Let's. Uh Let's talk about Max Kepler since you wrote a story on him. I think we should focus here. Well, on so they say he needs to lift the ball more. I mean, to me, I'm trying to adjust my chair. So who, sorry, who is so this? Good. It's the Sports Illustrated thing here. Okay. We're just we're just still on the first bullet point. Okay. And so, <laughs> to me, Kepler lifting the ball. I mean, it, it was a more of a truism two years ago. I would say, 
And if he wants to, you know, mimic the path of someone like Christian Yelich, who I mean, for crying out loud, won the NL MVP last year, I think that that's the way to go about it. In the last two years, he's hit righties but not lefties, lefties but not righties up to his standard. So there's proof in that there's talent in there enough to do it. And as I wrote in the story, zonecoverage.com, check it out, which was um, – he talk, the, the title was that a fire was ignited in him by the Twins, that when he was in the low minors back when they first had to add him to the 40-man roster uh, right around the Cedar Rapids time – he hit righties, didn't hit lefties. I mean, he, like, he barely had a pulse against lefties. And by the time he got to double-A, he was just ripping lefties. I mean, he won the MVP in double-A, which is a big deal because that's a big... First of all, double-A is the league where a lot of development happens and a lot of guys separate themselves from the pack. He beat out Orlando Arcia, who was a huge prospect at the time. Oswaldo Arcia's brother. Baby right? brother, yep. And so he proved, though, he's capable of making those adjustments on a very high level. To me, that suggested that eventually he'd be able to do it in the big leagues, but it might have been a slower burn. And keep in mind, this is a guy who played as a kid in Germany, not a crazy baseball hotbed in in terms of development, so that it took him time to get where he's going, not surprising at all. There's a very real chance that the extension they got is going to look extremely good a year from now because there are markers that say this is a guy who very, very likely could be on the verge of a breakout. I... I think the hesitancy from the the Twins fan base, and there there should be some faith in him. A because for a, a German born player to get this far is pretty incredible. It'd right. be it would right. be for any American or whatever. But um, given that the you know this is not a guy from a, a baseball hotbed like you know in the Sun Belt or something like that, or um, he came from a country where I I don't think I mean I got I wonder where it even ranks kind of in the consciousness of. German sports fans, you know, where it ranks against soccer or, or whatever. Um, for him to come this far, I think is quite incredible, especially because he's basically spent every formative year with the Twins organization, right? Started at, I think, signed at 16, started playing at 17. He's been a twin for almost a decade now. Yeah. Like, it'll be a decade in June or whatever, or July. And, and again, looking reasonably at what you can get from a German-born player in the international draft, this has to be a success for them. I, I think people see him use... Pretty. It, it seems like he's using the right side of the field most dominantly. I think he. I think that's where he drives the ball. I think he's a very pull conscious hitter as far yeah. as driving the ball, and that's without me breaking into the stats super deeply. But that just my my eye test says, yeah, when he drives his ball, he pulls it. Yeah, and so I think. Um, uh, yeah, so I think it, it's worth it's worth remembering again. This is a player entering his age twenty six season you've essentially locked in the price through his prime, right? Yep. The prime of his career. And at a non-prohibitive number. I mean, if right. he's he, not If good, he's the fourth outfielder, you can make that work. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's ideal. But well, and Kirilov has been working at first base, so they may be just coming to the realization, like, this is the outfield for the next five years, and if we're going to get AK up here, he's going to have to play first base. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is you can play him in the outfield and play, have Kepler DH once or, or play, play first, first base. base. Yeah, right. the Nick so, Swisher role. Um Certainly a good athlete, just raw athlete, right? I, I think, um, but I think people just see limitations in where he's he's placing the ball in the field, and I think he's getting caught looking quite often. Again, this he is mentioned that too that he had like a forty percent looking strike rate, and he said, you know, the big thing for him is when he sees the first pitch and he really wants to capitalize on it, even though he's most likely, and I think we've kind of gotten the confirmation, even if it's not been explicit, that he's going to lead off. 
He's not going to be afraid to jump on the first pitch if he can drive it. I, th- he, I think he believes he got away from that a little bit last year. And that's maybe why the walk rate spiked is that he was a little more passive at the plate when, quite frankly, he wasn't asked to be a leadoff hitter or even I don't think he hit that high in the order that much, uh, at least not until before Dozier and Escobar were traded. So, you know, and I addressed this in the story about how sustainable a walk rate jump like that is. It should be fairly sustainable, but at the same time, is he Brian Dozier who went from a seven, eight, nine hitter without, you know, just kind of a, you know, sock the ball the other way or not that much power to crazy pull power and walks, whether it was due to eye or due to respect, you know, where does he fall on that spectrum? I, I think he is aware of what leadoff hitters need to do, but at the same time, he's not going to change too much about himself to where like that. I think that's where Aaron Hicks kind of got messed with was he was always a guy who walked but when I asked Gardenhire, like, is there a way he can use walks to his advantage, his advantage as he slumps? Because, I mean, you remember the beginning of 2013, he started like three for 50 yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 0.40 yeah. average. And, yeah. and Gardy said, well, he's not going to walk his way out of a slump. Yeah. You know, he's going to have to swing his way now, out Now, Gardy, probably not the most, you know, he yeah, didn't Not, not the most analytically yeah. inclined and sound guy. But to the same point, I think Kepler is aware of his skill set, but he's also going to not allow pitchers – to just lay him in there a la Joe Maurer because Joe Maurer had the utmost trust not only in his hands but in his skill set to the point where he could give you two strikes and still feel comfortable. He almost he almost seems more comfortable, seemed more comfortable at with two strikes on the board, right? So I mean more definitely relative to the average player. I think stopping on the walks thing real quick, the um forty two walks, ninety three strikeouts and sixteen as age twenty three. Uh he had forty seven and hundred and fourteen strikeouts two years ago, last year, 71 walks, 96. Do you know his OPS plus the last three years? 96. Yeah. So exactly I, I, 96. Yeah. So I kind of wonder, it's not quite Chris Davis with the two was the two forty seven batting average, like four years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, and, and that, that also shows though, you look at the raw OPS numbers and they've jumped like 10 points each time. Sure. Back and forth. Yeah. So it shows you how the, the offensive environment changes a little bit to where a seven fifty one sure. year could be as like a seven thirty five the next, but yeah, it's it's a consistency, and at the same time, under the hood, it hasn't been that consistent because he's hit righties and not lefties, or he's hit lefties and not righties yep, as much. Yep. So I think, though, the fact that he's shown a proclivity, a he's shown the, what would you call it, aptitude to hit lefties better than he did before, I think just shows that it's like filling a bathtub. The water level is rising for him to the point where if he maintains what he did against lefties last year, and he didn't tear the cover off the ball. It was like a 730 OPS, which for an average lefty is pretty good. But if he can yeah. maintain that while getting back to where he was against righties, suddenly you've got an all-star caliber right fielder who plays good defense out there, as we've seen with new stat cast metrics. Yeah. He goes back, comes in fairly well, and I think especially he plays the line well based on what we saw with uh, these the, the Darren Willman, MLB.com, or Baseball Savant metrics. I mean, I, I think they found a guy who was a ball of clay coming over, and they've molded him into pretty much what they want him to be. Yeah, so so seven thirty OPS career average, um, and, not and nearly it, good enough from a corner outfielder. If yeah, I'm being honest, I, I think I think he has to improve, just not as drastically as people think in order to seven sixty to seven eighty with what he does defensively and the fact that he can run the bases a little bit would be acceptable. You'd probably be. Uh, what does it say his B war was last year? You, you should be on that page, I think. Yeah, let me probably like two point five, two point three. Uh, B war. 
It would just it would just say war if you're on reference. Yeah. Um, no, it says one point seven. Okay, so a little lower than that, I thought. But, but at the same time, no, no, no two point eight. Two point eight. Right, okay, sorry. no. So I mean, a three win right fielder, regardless of context, is is solid. He's not that far from that. Let's let's do this. Let's move on though. Comeback. Read candidate. read the piece. Read the piece on comeback candidate is. Michael Pineda is going to be a key for them. He hasn't pitched since 2017, but still has ace stuff with a great slider. He's always better than his ERA. Keeping him in, on the field is key. With him and Barrios at the top of the staff, the staff will surprise. Now, earlier this week, I saw through baseball perspective, or fan graphs, rather, that the Twins have a top 15 rotation. I think they had him at 14th. They have a top 15 bullpen. I, I don't remember the exact number where they were, but... A lot of the power rankings that I've seen, whether it's Evan Silva at Roto World or wherever, have had the Twins 15th. I mean, if you assume 15th right in the middle is probably about a 500 team, Yeah, I think it stands to reason why the Twins are viewed the way they are. They're viewed as a team that, if everything goes the way people expect, could finish around 500. I think, though, that there's potential room to bubble up. And I think Pineda will be key. You know, He struggled in his last tune-up against the Rockies on Tuesday, but I think at the same time, you know, get him some homers and that sort of thing, it's you know that's still in in theory grapefruit league. It's still preseason or whatever you want to call it. He's going to start in this open series, opening series against Cleveland. I think that's where we're going to see. I think he's starting game. Is it two or three? I can't remember for sure. But that's when it's going to be kind of like I think it's three. It's three against Carlos Carrasco now. I, I know for sure because it's Sunday when I'm covering. Yeah. And so um, yeah, I, I'm enthused about the potential of of seeing him pitch. Every fifth day, he does everything. And I've said this, I've kind of beaten this horse yeah, dead. So they're going Barrios or to see Pineda. Yeah, they're moving Gibson, Gibson back to Kansas yeah. City so yeah. that he can, you know, just have a little extra time because of the E. coli outbreak he dealt with in the offseason. Yeah. With Pineda, he does, and I've, again, I've said I've, I've beaten this horse to the point that it's Elmer's glue, but he <laughs> does everything you want from a pitcher's standpoint in terms of big, strong guy, fastballs, got good velocity, he gets grounders, he gets strikeouts, he limits the walks. And he struggled with this again, you know, course field effect the other day. But if he can keep the ball in the park, that's the difference between him being a reliable innings eater and an ace. So he was an all-star with Seattle at age 22. Um, oh, yeah, he's rookie been of the year, like the unbelievable talented. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, it has injury issues resurfaced with the Yankees. It was going to be Felix yeah. and Pineda and Taiwan Walker, I believe, in Seattle. Really? really? And then Paxton, who's now a Yankee. Yeah. And I, I, I thought they had another lefty. Who was Seattle, really Seattle is almost Minnesota Twins esque in how look at their like all time team, and you're like, oh my god, it's Randy Johnson. But also, you know, it's Alex it's Rodriguez like it's like if they stuff. had snakes in Minnesota, and you had a snake bite because of how bad they've yeah fallen prey to luck. Yeah, and, and so, bad. I mean, they had the well, they d- they draft like stuff, yeah. Dustin Ackley and Jeff Clement and, yeah. and all those guys near the top of the order. But it was like the Adam Jones traded Adam Jones yeah. for Eric Bedard. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, you know, you kind of get what you get. But with Pineda, and I don't think we're in any any real reason to dive in much deeper than that because we just yeah. don't know that much about him. But he's he's definitely the wild card for that rotation, as is Martin Perez, who they don't spend any time on here. Now, the next bullet point says underrated. If Jonathan Scope gets his hands on the ball, you're out. So capable fielding second baseman. The things that I've noticed, he's not unlike Dozier in terms of being steady over there, turns the double play really well. And he did play some short for the Brewers, who seem to be doing whatever they want in the infield with Mike Moustakas, who has your beard but my build. Uh, or actually, <laughs> no, maybe my beard but your build, playing second base. So, I mean, it is what it is. However, 
th- that he's played a little shortstop yeah. bodes well for the fact that he, he can move a little bit out there. You're not going to want to put him out there. But he and Nelson Cruz, they say, are, are under-the-radar signings. 30 homers as possible after a down stretch in Milwaukee. Good, again, under the radar. I, I'm kind of all in on scope and, and Cruz and the idea that they're going to go with righty power. I think this is where Kepler and Polanco become important, assuming they hit one, two. There's just, with Joe Maurer out of the picture, without Brian Dozier, and, and Dozier was never super great at this, more so Robbie Grossman is like, their on-base guys are just not going to be the 360, 370. Joe Maurer would have been like 400 in his peak. You're going to need a Kepler to be a 350 guy. You're going to need a, a, a Polanco to be a 340, 350 kind of guy. Weirdly, the other international signing just got a contract, yeah. And so, yeah, hopefully yeah. Sano can do some of that. And, yeah. You know, if Buxton hits 280... With speed and all that, you might be able to bump his OBP to 330, 335, 340. You're going to need some incremental improvement from each of these guys to avoid the team from being... And, and granted, this isn't the worst thing, but the Baltimore Orioles from like three years ago when they had... Well, they had Nelson Cruz for a brief stretch, but I'm talking about the Mark Trumbos and the Chris Davises and the Pedro Alvarezes. They'd just beat you over the head. And, and Scope, I mean, <laughs> Scope right. was on that young, team. Young Scope, yeah. And 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 it's like, <laughs> that's the knockoff of young Sheldon probably. <laughs> but like Manny Machado, who was, uh, you know, and J.J. Hardy, all these guys yeah. hit the crap out of the ball. And like, Machado was the only one who took any walks. And it was mostly because they were respect walks. I, I mean, he, yeah, he's got yeah. pretty good discipline. He's a great all-around hitter. But they, they would just beat you over the head and win 7-5, 7-4, because their starter gave up four runs and their bullpen just locked it down. The Twins aren't built like that, but they can go toe-to-toe with some of these bigger offenses. Again, though, then the question comes full circle. How good is a bullpen? How good is the rotation? Yeah. If Fangraphs is to be believed, they're both pretty good. And that, that, that's where my 86-win prediction comes from is they're going to bash the crap out of the ball. They're going to be okay at pitching. They also have three really bad. The the Royals will oh be fun. Gosh. The Royals have a lot of speed. Isn't that the, like the Billy Hamilton, Terrence Gore team? <laughs> like it's the two Spider Men just pointing at each other. <laughs> Neither <laughs> of those guys can hit. Yeah, but it's it's gonna be fun if either of them get on base. Somehow. I still think they should have signed Logan Morris, and they went with Lucas Duda instead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, former twin or former twin. Speaking but, of Spider Man memes, but yeah, I, mean, I digress. Yeah, but I mean, you have them. I think the White Sox will be good soon, but I, that seems still seems to be kind of. That team's still developing. I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of prospects. So Lucas so Giolito got just crushed last year. Yeah. And Reynaldo Lopez doesn't quite do as much as you'd like with his skill set. Ivan Nova was like, he's almost like a Phil Hughes clone. Hmm. He does a lot of things well, but he's just not a great pitcher. In fact, yeah. he was with the Yankees um, maybe early Pineda years. But then other than that, it's Rodon who has electric stuff, like number three overall pick. Was it? Was it the year before? It was, it was either the Buxton year or the Cole Stewart year. I want to say he went fairly high. I think it was. I don't think it was the Cole Stewart year because the Cole Stewart year was like John Gray and Chris Bryant, and then and then Stewart. But Radon, you know, lefty from NC State, just throws the crap out of the ball, but he's never healthy, and that's like their best starter. You don't have Quintana anymore. Third round overall in 2014. Third overall in 2014. So 14 would have been the year the Twins took. Uh, it was after Cole Stewart. It was no. This is the Nick Gordon year. Yeah, the Nick Gordon year. Okay, Brady so, Aiken. Do you want me? <laughs> Brady, Brady Aiken. Aiken. Oh, hey, well, quiz me. Uh, tell me the team, and I'll tell you who, t- who took. Yeah. Who. So Houston Astros. A- it was Aiken. Um, Miami Marlins. Is that Tyler Kolek? Yeah. Oh, gross. Um, Cubs. So Schwarber. Yep. Yeah, uh, twins. I always took Gordon. Gordon was fourth or fifth. Fifth. 
Okay. So Rodon was third. Schwarber. Isn't Gordon. Benintendi and Trey Turner around there? Trey Turner. No, Benintendi was, was the Tyler J year. That would be 2015. Yeah, that was right after Tyler. Trey J. Turner would have been like ninth or eleventh or tenth or something. Trey like Turner was 13 to the 13 Padres. To the Padres. He got traded um, not long after that. Conforta and Nola were drafted that year. Oh man. I mean, you can tell the the randomness, right? Kyle. Freeland. Oh, Daz Cameron was in that draft too. We talked to Mike because the, yeah. No, that was Tyler J too. I think that was Tyler J because actually, yeah, yeah, because there was that rumor that came out that the Twins were taking Kyle, Daz like sixth or seventh or whatever. But Kyle Freeland, who's a good player. For oh yeah, the he's the ace. For I mean, the they're, 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 I mean, yeah, there's. But yeah, you can tell it's kind of a goes uh, back Matt to Chapman, how, you know like why that, my Terry Ryan isn't here anymore. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this last bullet point. I'm worried about how new manager Rocco Baldelli will handle things. They're all analytics and have done very little work on fundamentals, which I, is is an abject false. Yeah, who statement. is this scout? I really I don't know. I really because I saw them do situations. Yeah. In fact, my favorite part of the whole time I was down there, they did, it was the last one, and it was, um, Sheltie was shooting a, they so basically Derek have, Shelton bench coach. Yep. So they yep. basically have what, it looks like a, what are those guns, the machine? Yeah, yeah, Gatling gun, gun or Gat, something. Yeah. Yeah, if I call it Tommy gun, you'd probably know yeah. that's right because your yeah. name, but like I, the, the things where you shoot them like on cartoons, and so they would, uh, it was the bullpen catcher. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about, but I the, I the guy that played him, at like Concordia or whatever, yeah. and uh, he would shout out a situation: seventh inning, two out, we're up three, and then he'd pick a random spot and just fire a ball out. And um, he was yelling the situations, and I think Shelton was shooting the balls because it was a a very very involved process. Anyway, yeah. so the last one is Eddie Rosario, and they shouted out and. Um, it gets cranked up, and they shoot it all the way out to left field off, like, a CenturyLink sign. It must have been, like, a 450-foot bomb. And Rosario does the salute, like a walk-off homer, gives um, Tony Diaz the low five around third, and they do the walk-off celebration at the yeah. plate and everything. Like, they were practicing fundamentals and then had a little fun at the end. No, 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 and there's even – you can go look at, like, Dan Hayes' Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, they, mean, and they, they're working on uh, – Pitch framing and stuff like that. Oh yeah, no. I but the idea the, that they're all, they're only analytics though it couldn't be. Less I just true. I just have to bring this up. Did you see the Mariners quote from their uh, one of their executives about their new age training? No. So there's a huge Washington Post piece and how they like they're doing all this crazy stuff that a lot of it seems pretty unnecessary. And um, one of the executives says. They're pushing pause on the major league winning continuum, <laughs> which, to be fair, seems like where they've been <laughs> throughout most of their... Well, they did win 89 games last year, but it was a Pythagorean yeah. outlier, and they traded everybody. Yeah, no, and it just seems like they always have a gift. I mean, they $100 million payroll, 100 losses, all that stuff. Yeah, but, no, yeah none of it makes sense. Uh, but either way, I mean, I, so the Mariners are doing crazier things. I'm sure there's other teams doing crazier things. I think the idea behind the spring training was... Let's get everyone on their feet. Let's not have them standing around because that wears them down. Like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what they've it, said. It, and this is what you want from outside the box is not irrational thought. You just want how can you do it better. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is part of it is get them excited about something that's otherwise incredibly boring. These guys are playing in games against AAA, AA players. You know, there's there's for some people it's overly anxious probably because they're trying to make the team. Others, this is kind of their sleepwalking through it because they just want to get to the regular season. And... um. Yeah, I think this idea that Baldelli, former baseball player, former top prospect, guy who played, I believe, in the World Series, right? The Phillies raised one. I think then he was pretty He was also down, with the Red Sox when they made the playoffs. Yeah. At the very, I, very end of his career. A baseball guy through and through. Yeah. That he wouldn't see the, you know, he wouldn't tell his pitchers, yeah, you have to, you know, well, so, you so have to he, defend your position or in, whatever. In 
the pregame availability in Bradenton, the first game I was at, they asked him about batting practice because you can either take it live off the machine. They're doing like balls thrown much harder, so on and so forth. You know, so you could take BP from, you know, 80 something off the mound, or you could do soft toss like they do during every game, like you and I can go watch. And he's just giving them options to kind of change it up one way or the other. And he's just saying, yeah, I would be foolish to think that one way is the only way and my way is the only way. And I want people to be comfortable. I want people to stretch themselves mentally, physically, whatever, in ways so that they're comfortable sometimes. But I think also in development, you have to be uncomfortable because you have to be aware of how you're going to react to situations when you're in, you know, deep water. You know, how how are you going to swim out of the deep end of the pool when – you're up 3-2 and the bases are loaded and you've got to make that play at, at the hot corner. And to be fair, and I'm not just picking on him, but Rosario, great hitter, cer- certainly value for where they drafted him. I think people love him in the clubhouse. That guy should be put in every situation possible to make sure he doesn't do something crazy because he does. There are times where you're like, dude, what base are you on? Because oh, yeah. you kind of are in the middle of nowhere or he has a little adventure in the outfield and I, you're like, how did you not see where that ball was the, going? The fact that he is never letting a moment get bigger than it yeah, needs to be. Yeah, yeah works against him in the fact that he also has supreme confidence in his abilities. All things that big leaguers have to have, but I think you've got to have kind of like a governor on both of those things where if the moment gets too big and you can still handle it and you don't you feel confident, you also have to rein it in and realize that, you know, if you're up two and there's a fly ball to deep left field, it doesn't make sense for you to throw it home for a yeah. runner you can't cut down and let the runner from first take second. Yep. All of that has to be a part of the process. And I think that's what they're working on. And I think that's going to be a key part of him going from, first of all, figuring out if he can sustain how good he was last year. But if there's any other step in there for him to become a star. They're probably prudent on Rosario to wait a second with that. I, I would like to see him. I feel like he's, he's the new form, Carlos Gomez, though, in terms of skills. Like he does so many things where you're like, Man, if he could just reel it in, he'd be a stud. Yeah, and, yeah. and Gomez became a stud. It was a very short peak for him, but he was a superstar with, with without the edit. I Milwaukee. mean, at times Gomez was wild. But I, you're right. I think he definitely have this, has the skill set. It's more understanding the game and what he's supposed to do. Going back to Scope, real real quick. Would you rather have him or Dozier? Scope. Yeah, younger. Go with the younger guy. I mean, yeah. I think Dozier was just ready to do something else. And I, I now his quotes do indicate he's like, well, the, the twins could assign me. I think he was asking for a lot of term given kind of the wear. I think he paid one like you know three year deal yeah. for forty five million or something, which is based on the numbers he had, crazy. well, yeah. well within his right. But we've seen what's happened to this the market, and I mean it's it you know we've talked about that with Eric O'Flaherty. We've talked about it with um, my camera. We've talked about it with a lot of guys. We'll talk yeah. about it with Slade Heathcott whenever we get him on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just go from there. But yeah, the, the fact that the market is cratered the way it has, give me the younger guy with similar skill sets. Give me the younger guy. And I think that's where it comes down and to. And it's about, they're losing his um, leadership. I mean, again, another article you had was about, it was about Maurer. No, oh, yeah, without Mauer. Training, But they also talked about Escobar, who's, they loved him, and, and Dozier, who had the corner and locker. Well, who and doesn't love like Escobar? Right. Um, any other kind of position players? Be, well, I, I guess here's, here's what I want to ask you. What are the questions you need answered when this season's starting? Because yeah. here, here's, here's where I'm starting from. Who's your leadoff hitter, and can it be the same guy all year? Yeah. What Byron Buxton are you getting? 
It needs to be, and I think he's very capable of being yep. good, Byron Buxton. What Martin Perez are you getting? Yeah. And who is closing games for you April 1, May 1, yep. June 1, and, and on? It almost should start by committee and someone has to rise. I think that's the best. I, I mean, that's a good way to have it be a competition, I, although I, it is also a good way to lose I don't want to say precious games early, but if you win 84 games and the winner wins 87, all games mean yeah. the same. Now my argue- with that said, though, you, how else are you going to find out who can do it? The other thing is, I mean, or, uh, who was the, um, the closer last year with the crooked hat? Um, Rodney. Rodney, yeah, sorry. Fernando Wright. Um, yeah. I was listening yeah. to that song yesterday, the uh, I'm going to get lit. You know, oh, the, yeah, his, the, his walkout. Was it Lil John? I think? Yeah, something like that. They, had, they did a good job with Ooh, the graphics you can't, there. You stuff. cannot... You cannot listen to that and not have either goosebumps <laughs> or be ready to like run through a wall. Yeah, go throw ninety-seven miles per hour. But yeah, I think he I uh, um, he struggled early though, mm-hmm. and that that was kind of the track record with him. So my way of thinking about this is it may not be Hildenberger, it may not be R- R- Romero. Also, is a big question mark to me that he was sent down to AAA. I, it's not a huge, huge. They deal. have twenty days to bring him back without burning his last option year. So there's a very real chance. That, like, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Ryan Harper, too. Yeah, so let's yeah, talk yeah. about him after we answer these yeah. questions. But if they bring him up with within the 20 days, this is what Jeremy Nygaard of Twins Daily said, they don't burn that last option year. And I think you don't want to burn that because you need it for when he goes back to the rotation next year because I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. And you need to be able to either possibly lengthen him out or just realize that if he struggles and you need to get him right, you know, you send him down to Rochester for three weeks, make two, three starts, and then let him roll – I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a Kyle Gibson situation where he's going to need four years, but I think that you have to salvage that that option year, and you don't want to use it now. It doesn't make sense to use it now. Right. So I, I sorry, I, I I totally waylaid your ninth inning discussion, though. No, I I mean, so my point is, it doesn't matter if you don't know who it is now. Play it by committee, high leverage, and all that. Well, hopefully, the first save opportunity comes in the first series against Cleveland, because that means that they're holding serve. Yeah. at home against the team. First of all, without Francisco Lindor, who knows if Jose Ramirez is going to be ready, but it also means you've given yourself a chance because you're facing Kluber, Bauer, and Carrasco. You're not getting Clevenger. You're not getting Bieber. Yep. You've got the big three. You've got to hold your own. And really, their rotation is the reason why I think they're 90-plus win team. I, here's what you got to know about Cleveland. They shed salary and got worse. Like, Mo- Yeah. Obviously worse. And... and, and they're banking on the division still being bad. This is an opportunity for the Twins, and it's a first statement. It's, it's not. It's three games in a really long season, right? But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, it is a. St- you can make a statement in, the, in this series early. Yeah, on. Yeah, it's not like it's going to be a sustainable statement, but you can say, "We're here. This right. is us. Right. We're going to be a thorn in your side all year." And I, I, I I'm doing game notes for Fox Sports North for that first series, yeah. and I, I've kind of finished them up. No team won more games against sub-500 clubs last year than the Cleveland Indians. 68. And that, 68 that was because the division was so bad. Of their but. 91 wins last year came yeah. against teams. Taking care of business. And to be fair, yes, the Twins do that this year. The twins, I, I, think the twins, I think the Twins were like 40-something of yeah. those. And take care of business, and the Twins are right there. Yeah, beat the, Kansas City, beat Chicago. Um, uh, you know, I think they... Uh, so, ninth, so, so do you, though, ninth inning is the question that has to be answered as well. I, I agree. I think Blake Parker gets first crack. I think Trevor May gets a second crack. Yeah. And Taylor Trevor Rogers May, third crack. Yeah. And Rogers and May definitely look like solid relievers, like kind of set of guys. I mean, if not. Fangraph says they're a top 15 bullpen. I think that they're right. So 
pitching rotation we kind of touched on, but is it my questions there are Brios, is he an all-star or that kind of player? To me he is, yeah. Um, but can he play like that this year? What, what's Pineda? What's Gibson? How does the rest play out It's there? all questions, but it's not the floors of like Scott Diamond or P.J. Walters yeah. or our friend Cole DeVries. It's not like they're going with a lot of unproven guys. Yeah. The other thing is the catching tandem. Is is it Castro? It's a trio. It's a three-headed monster. Can't for, forget about La Tortuga. So I was going to separate him as his own question mark because he may just be a well, living so, question so mark. But I have a story coming out that's helping the twins pick out their walk-up music. Yeah. And I have catcher Jason Castro. Catcher, Mitch Garver, unicorn. Yeah. Williams, that's the deal. Because yeah. he plays everywhere. He's he's a one of a kind. He released a viral video showing him like playing center field or something like that to try to convince the twins. Robbing a home it. run, yeah, which yeah. I can't imagine a guy that size catching a ball over the wall. It was funny. He almost like Mario bounced off it or something like that. It was, it was really funny. But um, I, so is that catching tandem, your, your tandem all year long? What's right, Garver's right. defensive capability right. and, and can he still hit? I think he still can hit. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I kind of he's an interesting player. With Castro, is he the Castro we know from kind of two years ago? He's a free agent after this year, too, and they have to decide what they're going to do. Yeah. And with Astudio and the bench generally, first of all, is Astudio here the whole season? Austin. Yeah. Um, Adrianza, because they've got Torres down there. I yeah. Mean, there's a lot of question marks. Um, I think they go into the season in good position to at least be a winning team at. at Best challenge Cleveland, and worst case scenario, I mean, if you fall be- behind, if you fall below 500 in this division, it's going to, Felvey and Levine all of a sudden probably feel a lot of pressure. I mean, I, I think there's, I know it's not always on them because it's the, the players they, they that They will feel heat in the fact that it's, they took one step forward that first year and it would be two or three steps back since. Again, in this bad division. So I, I feel know, like 20, end of 2020 would be the first time they could feel any real fire on yeah. their feet. But man, that would be that would also be like their first draft picks in in terms of like Lewis and those guys getting to the big leagues. Yeah, they need to let those guys get to the big leagues to really grade them. Yeah, yeah I'm not suggesting. But, 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 they but no, I'm fired. saying after 2020, I mean yeah. their their feet could feel some heat. Yeah, and so I I think um, you, like you need to win 90 games in one of these next two years. Yeah, um, I. But uh, Eric was asking us too. He said um, he said he wanted us to ask. If uh, if fans want to tell us how many games they think they're going to make this year, home games too. I, I want to hear about it from people. So tweet us at Midwest Wing Pod, tweet at Zone Coverage Man or at Brandon underscore Warren. But I am interested to hear because, I mean, 81 games, if people are going to be going to more this year, less, what they plan yeah. right now. And then maybe we'll check back later in the year and see if it changes because I think too it helps that the weather, I mean, we've been in the 60s this week and the 50s. And I don't know what today holds. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, even high 40s, low 50s. If we get to that mark and it's early in the season and they're playing well, those attendance numbers can nudge up quickly, very quickly. Now, yeah. the last thing I got for you, this Sports Illustrated story says, over under 83 and a half wins. They're pounding the over. They say Twins lineup has been beefed up. Rotation has surprising depth. The wins will pile up for them in the worst division in baseball. Maybe the only thing on that entire page that I agreed with <laughs> was that. Yeah, their Vegas odds are 84, or Vegas over under, I think, is 84 and a half. Um, uh, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm hammering the over. I mean, if my piece saying 86 wasn't evidence enough, but yeah, I'm taking the over. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like 86, 87 is right I, with the opportunity to get 90. I think it'll be a winning season. 
they'll look like a team making progress. We got to hear from Eric too. Thumbs up, thumbs down. 83 and a half wins for the Twins. Are you going over or under? He's, He's going under. under. We He's, got the negative Nelly over that, there. That is a really bad division then. That's that's like Cleveland Ooh, winning that's, 95. That's full, yeah, because, yeah. And, yeah. and being just... Ugh. Yeah. Their outfield's so bad. Their catcher hit 140 last year, 160, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that the Twins have a real chance to win 86 games and maybe not even be that much better than last year. I think it could be a sneaky good season. But yeah, it's mostly player improvement, individual improvement this year. Well, let's vow to enjoy the season, enjoy the work and all that good stuff. Uh-oh, Eric? I just think you lose Maurer in the clubhouse. That's why they brought in Cruz, though, I think. I understand that, but you still lose no. Maurer in the clubhouse, who has been the consistent yeah. over the last decade. They also, though, have said that they know that they can't replace him. So guys understand their roles. They, right, okay. they know their roles, and they'll shut their mouths. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, and a lot of those guys still hang around. I mean, Torrey Hunter's around all, all the time. Oh, I and they figured, Maurer yeah, they, uh, Jake Cave said, they're not going to be able to tear me away from baseball when the time comes so yeah. he expects joe to be around too yeah so i you know i'm curious i think i think really what, what's most important here is um bucks and snow barrios and then kind of the secondary players around them yep just like any other team they they um you know they, they're gonna have to rely on the talent of their top end guys and yeah. barrios can't carry it all by himself neither really can buxton neither can snow they need to all be there well let's vow to have a strong coverage season Hopefully the Twins will have a good season. And yeah. throughout the year, people can support us. They can find us on zonecoverage.com, Twitter, or on Twitter there, uh, at zonecoverage.mn, at brand underscore Warren, at tshrier3, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, Apple iTunes podcast, whatever the, the purple icon is, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the current update says. Yeah. But find us there. Give us five stars. We absolutely appreciate it. So for Tom Schreier, for Eric producing, this is Brandon Warren saying, Enjoy opening day, first and foremost, and thank you for listening to Midwest Swing on the Zone Coverage Podcast Network.